Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. How can you use red teaming to overcome your mental blind spots? Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz here. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about how you can conquer the competition by challenging everything. But first, don't forget to visit leadx.org, that's O-R-G, where you'll find hundreds of articles from the best leadership and career experts out there. Visit leadx.org. Our guest today was an award-winning financial journalist who spent 22 years covering the global automotive, high-tech, and biotech industries. He's the author of the 2012 bestseller, American Icon, Alan Mullally and the Fight to Save Ford Motor Company. He's also the first civilian to have ever graduated from the U.S. Army's Red Team Leader Program at Fort Leavenworth. And his new book is Red Teaming, How Your Business Can Conquer the Competition by Challenging Everything. Our guest is Bryce Hoffman. Bryce, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, Kevin. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about red teaming in just a minute, but we always start by asking our guests to share a time when you actually failed at something because we want to know what lesson did you learn so we can learn that lesson too. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that I, I used to be a financial journalist and I left journalism three or four years ago and started working as a management consultant. And it was kind of by accident because when my last book came out, I started getting calls from companies that wanted me to help them teach them how to use Alan Mulally's management system to change their organizations. And the very first company that hired me said, you know, hey, can you come in and help us understand how to implement this system and use it to run our company? Mm. And I said, sure. And I went in and Alan Mulally's management system really relies on, on a lot of data visualization and, and PowerPoint decks and that sort of thing. And so I went in and I spent several weeks working with one of their senior vice presidents, built them a beautiful deck. I thought it was much nicer than the ones that Alan used to run for. <laughs> and then taught the president how to use it, said they were good to go. And two weeks later, he called me and I said, how's it going? And Kevin, he said, uh, well, Bryce, I'll tell you honestly, it's been a disaster. Oh, wow. He said, everybody hates it. Nobody's willing to use it. I basically have a mutiny on my hands. Mm. And I went, Wow. What did I do wrong? So I called Alan Mulally, who was still CEO of Ford at the time, and I said, Alan, what did I do wrong? And he said, well, Bryce, what did, what did you do? Tell me. And I, I explained to him what, how I built this beautiful deck, how it was, how it was even nicer than his. <laughs> and he stopped me. and He says, that's what you did wrong, Bryce. You built it for them. Uh. Then it's just something that's imposed on them. And he says, when you're leading organizations and you're leading people, you can't do it for them. And he told me the story about how his when he became a manager at Boeing, because as you probably know, he was the, the president of Boeing's commercial aviation group before he took over Ford. He said his very first time when he has got his first promotion to be a manager, frontline manager, his first direct report quit on him. Oh, boy. And it's because he was doing his job for him. Yeah. He told me, he said, Bryce, he said, if you want to teach people how to do this, what you have to do is teach them how it works and help them build it themselves. That way, they own it. It's their thing. It's not something that some consultant came in and imposed on them from the outside. After that, that's how I started working with companies. And I never had that problem again. It was the best advice I ever got. 
and I and it came from the biggest failure I ever had. But you know, I'll tell you something, Kevin. One of my favorite quotes from Henry Ford is that success is a poor teacher. That we <laughs> really learn the most from our failures. And this is an example of something I learned from one of my big failures. Wow, I I, I had never heard that quote before. I think that's great. And you know, this is such a, a an important story because you know, LeadX listeners, you know, whether you're a consultant or a manager. It, it usually is easier to do it ourselves. I mean, you know, you're, you've been promoted in the manager spot. You probably do have some more knowledge or skill or experience or contacts or whatever than your team members. But that's not the point. If, you know, uh, as a leader, you know, you need to develop your people. You need to be thinking long term. And Bryce, as you said, I mean, people generally, they're only going to uh, fight for and protect things that they built themselves or had a hand in building. That's a great lesson. Exactly. And, you know, and Alan told me that, you know, the, that's exactly what this guy, his first direct report told me. He says, he said, you're not making me a better engineer because mm. you're just, you're just correcting my mistakes. And that really is what, as you, as you say, Kevin, that's what leadership is all about is, is enabling people, becoming a catalyst to make people better than what they are without your leadership. Sometimes it's tough to learn that though. <laughs> Makes for a great story. <laughs> So, Bryce, your new book is Red Teaming, How Your Business Can Conquer the Competition by Challenging Everything. Let's start at the beginning. What do you mean by red teaming? What's red teaming? Red teaming, Kevin, is a system that was developed by the military and intelligence agencies after 9-11 to basically help them stress test their strategies and really vet their plans and, and see if they could make them better by challenging the assumptions they were based on. And that's really how red teaming works. It involves taking a plan, a strategy, a proposal, and breaking it down into the assumptions that it's based on, but then challenging those assumptions to make sure that they're really true, that they're really valid, and that they will remain valid under all circumstances. Mm. And that's really what makes red teaming different than other management tools I've encountered is this element of deliberate challenge, you know, basically trying to poke holes in your own work. And the reason why the military and intelligence agencies developed this is because they realized that it was what they didn't know that hurt them. You know, in the case of the CIA, you know, all of the intelligence that came in ahead of 9-11 about the plans to attack the United States that went ignored, that was disregarded because it didn't fit in with the, the kind of mindset that people had. And in the case of the U.S. Army, which has really taken the lead in developing this, the you know, recognizing in 2004 that these victories that we won in Afghanistan and Iraq were just falling through our hands because of there were so many things we hadn't thought through. And so the red teaming was a system they developed to systematically go through plans and strategies and look for what you're missing, both in terms of threats, but also in terms of missed opportunities and seeing if you can make them better. And I thought when I heard about this system, I said businesses could benefit from this at least as much as the U.S. military has. Yeah, and, and I'm jotting down some notes. It's I really like that phrase. You know, it's deliberate challenge, and and it's not just to look for the flaws, but the missed opportunities, or how could you make something uh, even better? Exactly, exactly. And you know, you're a writer like me, Kevin, and you know as well as I do that there's no writer in the world that can edit their own copy. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's not because we're bad writers. It's because nobody can check their own work because we all have blind spots. We think we know what we wrote. And so what we see is what we think mm. we wrote rather than what we actually wrote. And so that's why we have editors 
somebody else who can come in and look at our work and say, well, you, you missed a word here, or wouldn't it be better to say this this way, or did you think about how someone might misinterpret this? You know, if, if you look at things that way, that's really what red teaming is about, is having another set of eyes on the problem, someone to check your work. And, you know, you mentioned the word blind spot and you write about, you know, we, we all need, whether we're writers or not, we all need some red teaming because we have these inherent biases. What do you mean? Like, what are the biases that we all have? That's a great question, Kevin. And, you know, red teaming is really based on the most cutting edge, edge research in the area of cognitive psychology and human decision making and work done by people like Daniel Kahneman and folks like that that have really kind of opened our eyes to the fact that we really don't know what we don't know. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. You know, there's a whole array of biases and heuristics. Heuristics is just a fancy word for mental shortcuts that our brains take. When we try to make decisions about complex problems, one of them, for instance, is called loss aversion. It's something that most people have probably heard of. Loss aversion refers to the fact that we have this, we're hardwired in such a way that we would rather avoid a loss than reap a reward. And there's been experiment after experiment that has shown that this is true of people all over the world. But how does this affect business? Well, let me give you one example. We all remember Polaroid, right? Yeah. What most people don't know is that in the late 1990s, Polaroid was actually the market leader in digital photography in the consumer space. They had one of the best-selling consumer digital cameras. But they had a board meeting. They had a meeting of their senior executive team, and they looked at their digital photography business, and they looked at their existing film business. And what they saw is that their margins for their film business were in excess of 65%. percent mm. And the conversation that they had with themselves was not how can we take advantage of this new opportunity that digital photography is creating for us, but how do we avoid losing those awesome margins that we have on our film business? Right. And so as a result of that discussion, they decided to pull back on their digital photography business and double down on their film business. Mm. And we all know what happened as a result of that. But that sort of short-term thinking happens in, in all sorts of companies, in all sorts of industries. That's just, that's just one example, too. We have a whole other array of biases. There's, there's the planning fallacy, which is one that Dr. Kahneman has, has talked a lot about, which shows that we have a tendency when we create forecasts and plans to make them, un, as he puts it, this is his words, unrealistically close to best-case scenarios. <laughs> and they've proven this. They've proven this. For instance, in 2005, there was a study done that looked at rail projects around the world that had been built from 1969 to 1998. And what this study discovered is that planners overestimated the number of passengers that would take advantage of these new improvements 90% of the time. Mm. Now, there had been tons of reports written over the third, that 30-year period about how many of these projects failed to achieve what their estimates were. But guess what? Nobody paid any attention to that when it came time to develop their forecast, right? Hmm. So red teaming is, is designed to combat these types of biases by really forcing organizations to look at things objectively. You know, in the case of loss aversion, to really objectively look at the potential gains – of a new option, not just the potential loss. In the case of planning fallacy, to compare forecast 
to similar cases and seek out relevant data that puts goals and targets in their proper perspective rather than just kind of shooting for the moon and hoping for the best. I mean, this is just a couple of them. There's dozens of these fallacies. Right. So how can we take this this idea of you know deliberate challenge, red teaming, and apply it at a team level? Because you know, whether you're – I mean, I'm sure you know the Army and, and CIA, et cetera, they've got whole departments or teams that, that do this. And corporations who are, <laughs> who, who are very smart and listening to you uh, may have some dedicated teams on this. But what if you're a, a district sales manager – in Michigan, you've got to come up with your sales plan for your 10 sales reps, or you're a marketing department head with five employees coming up with the 2017 plan for your company. You know, how might you take this red team concept to, you know, to apply it to your own little world? That's a great question. And obviously, you hit the nail on the head, Kevin. There are very few organizations, even large companies, that are going to have the resources that the military and intelligence agencies have to create these standing red teams. But even the military and the CIA have increasingly found value in in driving red teaming down through the organizations. Yeah, because as valuable as it is to have a standing red team, you can use these same tools and techniques that I teach people how to use in my book as a frontline supervisor. So let me give you an example. I mean, you you brought up the case of like a a field sales manager, a regional sales manager. Well, you know, as a regional sales manager, you can get together with your team and use some of these tools. For instance, one of the most simple tools in the red teaming arsenal is simply called a key assumptions check where you take your strategy, you take your plan, whatever it is, and you break it down into the assumptions that it's based on. And then you ask yourself a series of questions, which I talk about in my book, things like, is this likely to be true under all circumstances? If it isn't true, what is our plan for dealing with it not being true? You know, that sort of thing. Is this based on wishful thinking or can we prove that this is the case? And if we're not sure, how do we get that information before we execute? Things like that. You can have this discussion as a team examining your own work, and you will get a lot of benefit from that. Maybe not the full benefit of having a separate set of eyes come and look on it, but a lot more than if you just, you know, teed it up and hit the ball without, without doing that sort of analysis. So what I tell people is that even if you don't have a team at all, even if you're just, just a frontline manager sitting in your office by yourself trying to do what you can to make sure that, that you're going to succeed in the, in the strategy or the plan that you've been given to execute. One of the simplest things you can do is just ask this question. If this goes wrong, how will it go wrong? Mm. I'll tell you a quick story. You know, I, I, as you mentioned, I was the first civilian from outside the government to go through the Red Team Leader course at, at the U.S. Army's training school at Fort Leavenworth, which is considered the gold standard for the world. Other countries send their officers there. The, even the Marines send folks there. It's an amazing program. And one of my classmates was a Delta Force mm. commander. And he asked the question in class, Kevin, if I'm out, you know, on a mission – how do I red team something? Right. You know, I can't. And, and, and our instructor said, look, even if you just have 15 minutes, you have time for a red teaming analysis. Because he said, what you can do is gather your men together, take a knee and say, OK, we need to take this village here. If this goes to heck, how is this going to go to heck? Right. And if you have that discussion, it will at least make you better prepared to deal with some of the unexpected ways that things could go south 
than if you didn't have that discussion at all. So I say, I tell the same thing to business managers. If nothing else, before you embark on something, before you make a decision, just take five minutes and ask yourself, if this goes wrong, how is it going to go wrong? And then try to think about what you're going to do if those things happen. But the key, Kevin, is you have to answer that question honestly. Right. If you're going to do this yourself. You've got to be honest. Hey, Bryce, I'm just, this is just me being curious. So you went, <laughs> you went to Leavenworth for this program. Um, how long did it last? Like, what did it consist of? It was about three months. Wow. Yeah. It's a very intense program. And it, for the Army, it's usually majors who are sent to it. So fairly senior officers. Everyone in my class uh, had at least one tour of duty in Iraq or Afghanistan. Most of them had multiple tours of duty. And uh, it, was, it was a very humbling experience to be part of that group for so long. No, that's that's incredible. I'm sure you've um, forged some friendships too that are uh, are going to last forever. Indeed. You know, uh, Leadex listeners, I just want to share as I was taking notes as as Bryce walked through this and how even if you're a team of one, you could ask that question of if this goes wrong, you know, how how will it go wrong? And what I remembered back from you know uh, having some bigger company days is. And this is especially relevant for the entrepreneurs. You know, we often are encouraged to think about the positive. And I've had guests just recently on the show that, you know, will tell us, oh, you know, whatever you're thinking, 10x your thinking, you know, exponentially think about it. And we get these exercises to write down what does your perfect day look like? And then how do we create our perfect day? And I think all those are great and valid. But then let's also say if something goes, if this is going to go wrong, how's it going to go wrong? And in my own business experience, I'm looking back and Bryce, one of my go-to sales questions, if I was trying to sell a million dollar thing to a, a pharmaceutical company, I would say, all right, you know, prospect, client, future client, wave your magic wand. It's one year from now. The project is done and we're all high five and it's a success and you just got promoted and we won awards. What, what what would have happened to make us all high five each other? And that got really good clarity from the client around, oh, it's because we hit these quality measures. Oh, it's because we scored a four out of five from all of the sales reps. Whatever it was, it kind of revealed what success looks like. And we focused on that. But now, I mean, I wish I knew about red teaming back then because after I closed the deal, probably not before, at the kickoff meeting, I would have asked that question and said, okay, we all know what we all know we're going to be high fiving. Like we agree. We know what that looks like. But if it were to go wrong, <laughs> how and why is it going to go wrong? Because that would then, you know, kick up all the hurdles and minds that we don't even know where they're at on that kickoff day. And I feel like I mean, because projects go wrong and I've had a lot that go wrong. And this one question would have saved a whole lot of time, money and heartache. Absolutely, Kevin. You know, it's interesting that you say that because what you just described there is a technique that Dr. Gary Klein, who's one of the foremost cognitive psychologists in the area of human decision making, he has a very similar technique he calls pro-mortem analysis, Mm. which is just that. It's thinking how – trying to imagine what success looks like so you can really gauge what the metrics are that you're going to use to judge success. But he also has a tool that he developed first – that's a key tool in the red teaming arsenal, and it's called pre-mortem analysis. <laughs> and in a pre-mortem analysis, you do just what you described, Kevin. You ask the question, imagine it's a year from now or two years from now, depending on the project. Right. 
And it has failed miserably, not just a little bit, but it has been an unmitigated disaster. How did that happen? And it's not a negative thing. It's not setting yourself up for failure. Its purpose is to show you the ways that it could fail so that you can address those, so that you can close those gaps, plug those holes, and make sure that doesn't happen. You know, one of the things that I tell people that I work with in business is that unintended consequences are the consequence of insufficient planning. Mm. If you look at things, you know, pick pick any high-profile business disaster you can think of, and you'll see that there were, in hindsight, if somebody had asked the question, how could this go wrong, you probably could have figured that out. You probably could have figured it out. The problem is, is that we don't ask those questions. We just want to move forward. And you're absolutely right, Kevin. There's nothing wrong with being positive and enthusiastic about this, about what you're doing in, in your business and anything. But you also have to be realistic and you have to balance that enthusiasm with a little bit of an analysis of, of, of what, the, what the risks are so that you can take advantage of the opportunities. Now, <laughs> Bryce, I'm going to geek out. Now, this is that risk of taking too much of your time. But this is this is really crazy because – I'm going to change my mind about something. As you're explaining this to me, you know, I had just said like, oh, you go do the positive. What does success look like? And then after you sell the project, you go and say, what does disaster look like? You know what? I, it might even be more powerful to lead with imagine it's a year from now and this is an unmitigated disaster. What would that look like? And first of all, if you're going to capture attention and stand out, whoa, we just this is number five vendor coming in to pitch us and is asking us. It's if it's a disaster a year, for, let's imagine disaster and what does it look like? But it would immediately reveal, I'm just pulling from my own experience. Oh, it means you guys didn't do medical regulatory review correctly and made everybody mad and it was delayed and there was a bug in the software and it wouldn't run on our laptops and the training didn't wasn't effective. So nobody knew how to use it, whatever it was. But you're then absolutely step by step identifying all the possible, you know, pain points. And it sets you up to say, well, let me tell you why we're going to sail through medical legal review with no problem. We have an in-house editor and here's our process. Why are we going to make sure that it installs on your laptop? Because we've had these meetings with the, your head of IT and blah, blah, blah. And, and think about a job interview. You go to a job interview. Imagine if you say, all right, prospective employer, Let's imagine that you offer me the job and I take it and in six, it's six months from now and it's not working out. Why did it not work out? And you would have such an interesting conversation about the role, about the fit, about the company and be totally different than what anyone else is, you know, shoveling that day. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing, you know, I'll tell you a story, Kevin. Red teaming is a new concept in business. I mean, there's not been a lot written about it outside the military and intelligence worlds, but there's been a few companies that have learned about it and are using it. And one of them that I talk about in my book is a uh, investment firm. And they use red teaming to make their investment decisions. Mm. And this is what one of the senior partners explained to me. He said, you know, the way that most investment firms work is that one of the partners will come to the other partners with a great idea for making money, Right. They'll say, hey, here's an investment strategy I just came up with. Here's how I think we can make a lot of money on this. He says, that's what every firm does. He said, what we do, because we use red teaming to approach this, is he says, I assume that if these guys on my team are good enough to be partners, that they know how to make money. 
So why do I need them to come and explain to me <laughs> how we're going to make money on, on this deal? I know that they're smart enough that if they're going to go to the trouble to come and prepare and, and propose an investment strategy to me, that they've already figured out how we're going to make money on it. So what I ask them to do instead is tell me, how are we going to lose money on this investment? Mm-hmm. And he says, what that does is allows us to have a really robust discussion about the risks and the opportunities of this investment target. And they have been much more successful than their peers since they've started doing this. It's an amazing thing because like you say, everyone else is going to do that. Everyone else is going to take that same approach and say, here's how this is going to go right. But to use your example, Kevin, imagine you were building a house for yourself and you hired a contractor, right? Would you want to go with the contractor who tells you this is how everything's going to be so wonderful when we're building your house? You're not going to have to worry about anything. It's going to be just the way you want it when it's done. Or are you going to want to go with the guy who says, I'd really like to build this house for you. Here's a couple of things I've noticed in your plans that could be issues. Right. And here's how I'm going to address them. Right. I mean, to me, it would be a no-brainer which of those contractors I'd hire. Absolutely. No, that, that's that's powerful. So, Bryce, before we wrap up, I always like to challenge our listeners to get a little bit better every single day. And I like them to soak up this great conversation, but then anchor it in something actionable. So challenge us. What's something we could go out and do right away? What I tell people, Kevin, is, is the thing that you can do right now without knowing any red teaming tools or techniques is simply take, when you're making a decision, when you're getting ready to execute a strategy, when you're getting ready to launch a new plan, have someone you trust on your team who you trust to give you honest feedback. That's the key. Don't give it to a yes man (laughs) or woman. Give it to someone who's going to give you honest feedback. Have them look at it and tell you that. Say, what could go wrong with this? Mm Mm-hmm. If you do just that one thing, and it doesn't have to be long, it can be something that takes 15 minutes, like I say, they will give you something to think about and to keep an eye out for as you execute your strategy or plan. And you may see six months from now that that flag that they raised, you might see it starting to blow in the breeze while there's still time to adjust your course and avoid that going down that road. So that's my advice to folks is to is to just take the time to have somebody else look at what you're about to do, look at it critically and tell you, if this could go wrong, here's how I think it could go wrong. Doesn't mean it's a bad plan. Right. It could be the best plan in the world, but just doing that will make it an even better plan. Love it. Bryce, once again, I want to thank you for making the time to come on the show and please share with our listeners uh, how they can find out more about you and your company. Sure. They can go to simplebricehoffman.com, B-R-Y-C-E-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.com, or to redteamthinking.com, all one word. And also, if they go to either of those websites, they can pre-order my book and they will get a free podcast with more tools and techniques that they can start using right now to make their plans and strategies better. Oh, that's that's great. All right, friends, you've just been mentored by Bryce Hoffman. Don't forget, you can get the links he just mentioned and the notes from this interview over at leadx.org. And you can get red teaming from amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. And listeners, don't forget, if you think you're getting your money's worth from the show, if you got just one new idea from today's interview, and I know you did, hop on over to iTunes and just leave a short, honest review. I really appreciate that. Until next time, remember... Leadership is about influence, not authority. It's not about your title. We are all leaders. 
question is, what kind of leader will you be today?